You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you will explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Hello, villagers! Happy December! Oh my goodness, we are at the end of 2018! I cannot believe that the last month of the year is here, and that means that I have a super awesome announcement coming your way on Saturday if you're signed up for our email. So I will link that in the show notes so that you can get your name on that list so that you can be among the first people to know what I have up my sleeve. It's not just me. This is a whole crew of people. It has taken an entire tribe of people, but we're doing it. We're pulling it off. This is going to be super awesome. People are flying in. People are staying the weekend. This is insane. I can't wait to share it with you. So sign up for our email list. Happy Tuesday. Yesterday was Monday. How was your Monday? Was it a wonky Monday or was it an awesome Monday? I had an awesome Monday. I am wrapping up the year for TBH and wow, when I look back over the growth that has happened in a year with me, with the business, with my client experience, with my knowledge, with my boundaries, with my clients, with their babies. Wow, so much. It makes me have a huge smile on my face. You're listening to episode number 81 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast. And today we're diving into mental health and motherhood. Today on the show, I have Jessica Vandeweer, and I found her over Instagram. Now, she is a mental health therapist, and she specializes in pregnancy and that transition into motherhood. She's also a mother of a young child herself. She has the cutest uh, little daughter, and she didn't have the easiest transition into motherhood. She was really shocked at how little she heard about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders before having her baby. So she found herself in this place that I think a lot of people find themselves of, what do I do now that I'm here? And why wasn't I prepared for this, right? So the way that you're preparing or the minute that you're preparing is also the same time that you're going through it. And that is just not ideal. So much of what I do with my clients and on the one-on-one work that I do is so much preparing for after your baby gets here. There are so many things that you need to think about and I do so much of stepping you through what each step 
is kind of going to be like. There's a very, very intentional kind of walk that I help my clients walk when we're preparing for a baby. And Jessica just, she just really gets it. So even as a mental health therapist, she realizes that she was completely unprepared for these challenges of pregnancy and new motherhood. And after receiving support and feeling better, she became so passionate about educating women around the world about new motherhood. And with the help of her husband, she created Our Mama Village. And if you are not following them on Instagram, you definitely should. Jess is amazing at the information that she puts out. It is digestible, it's easy, and it's also applicable. I find that it is so easy to apply what she is saying into multiple homes across multiple different um, dynamics and needs and backgrounds and places where they're coming from and places where they are currently, I'm able to take what Jess says and use it for a variety of families. So I am super, super stoked to have her on the show today. Jess, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me here today. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. This is a topic that a lot of people have asked for. It's a topic that a lot of people have not asked for, but are wanting it. So for all of my listeners out there who, maybe this is you, you're thinking, wow, I'm really embarrassed that this is me. This one goes out to you. We are here to talk about topics that are a little sticky and a little icky, and they might bring up things that don't feel that great. I challenge you to really stick through this episode and listen to the end. I think that you'll walk away with really valuable things. So Jess, before we get too far into the sticky, icky stuff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, for sure. So I just want to start by saying that I've been really loving your show. I just finished listening to your episode on vaginas um, like an hour ago. So I'm feeling really excited to be here. And yeah, it's just been awesome. Um, so my name is Jess. I live in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. So for those of you who don't know Canada too well, it's about an hour away from Toronto. Um, I actually grew up about half an hour from Niagara Falls in a really small town in Ontario. And I moved to Guelph to come to university here and um, never left. So we fell in love with the city. Um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We started dating at 16 years old and we both ended up moving to Guelph together. Um, we went to the University of Guelph and then after that I got a job doing behavioral therapy um, and was working in that while I finished my master's degree in counseling psychology. When I was just finishing my master's degree, I found out I was pregnant. So we were married for a few years already at that point, and we were really excited to find out that we were pregnant. And after that, uh, things went well. I was pretty morning sick for about um, like 17 weeks, probably. So, you know, it was hard, but it was all a normal pregnancy until about 22 weeks. So I had a few weeks of oh, this is what, this is good. This is what the glow is. This is, this is good pregnancy. But about 
22 weeks in the middle of the night, I started feeling some really strong cramping, some pain in my stomach. And I had said to my husband, like, I couldn't sleep. And he said, let's just go get you checked out um, before work. And then we'll, we'll head off to work and at least we'll know everything is fine. So we went to the hospital. I texted my boss that I'd be in a little bit late. And when we got there, everything changed. They right away had me into ultrasounds and getting a lot of different testing done. And everyone was just looking at us with concerned faces and we didn't really know what was going on. Um, so we ended up being there for about 12 hours and it was extremely scary. Nobody was telling us what was happening. And at the end of the 12 hours, they had said, we're concerned about preterm labor you've dilated, you started to dilate. I was at 22 weeks and um, we're gonna need you to not walk and to not do anything um, until basically 35 weeks. So that totally changed everything in the journey of my pregnancy and really the journey of my life because I had gone from this busy person finishing a master's degree and working all the time to now your goal for the next four months is to lay down and grow this baby and not have this baby come out. So that was kind of the start, the real start to my motherhood journey and the challenges that come along with it. Thankfully, we we're so blessed and we're so thankful that everything went well. We had the steroid shots and everything went well and we ended up uh, going full term with Amelia. And then, then was the struggles of new motherhood. So <laughs> we went from a complicated pregnancy with a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety to being a new mom. And Amelia um, didn't sleep too well. And there was a lot of other challenges that we had, including challenges with breastfeeding. Yes, the sleep deprivation was huge. Not having a family who lived nearby, although they did help quite a bit and our friends were helpful, but I also didn't really ask for help and I didn't really tell anybody that I was struggling. I had a lot of anxiety and that went on for a, a good four months and it was really tough. And as a counselor, I couldn't believe that I didn't know that postpartum could be that difficult. I thought everyone becomes a mom. I should be equipped for this because I know about mental health. And I had no idea the confusion, the grief of my old life. I missed my old life a lot. And nobody told me that that was okay. Um, nobody told me that it was okay if I didn't feel like being touched 24-7. Breastfeeding was really tough for me that way. And my daughter didn't latch while she was always on and off. And so I just didn't know. I, and it was really hard. And after a time, I ended up telling the doctor how I was feeling, and then I started getting support. I started asking for help, getting support, feeling better, finding my village. And after going through that whole journey, I started researching perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And once I started learning more and getting support, and I started feeling so much better, I became extremely passionate about supporting other moms so that they don't have to go through that similar experience. And so that's what brings me to today. I know that's kind of a long winded, but also doesn't even include all of the stuff that we've been through. And now I have an 18 month old who is beautiful and happy and the light of my life and 
I just absolutely love being a mom and I want other moms to feel this way. Oh my goodness. That is such a journey and I can feel the tears welling up in my eyes. I can <laughs> feel it. I'm going to cry in this episode. Oh gosh, don't do it to me. My goodness. I think a lot of people right now are probably either in disbelief mm -hmm. or they totally resonate. I think like one or the other people are sitting there thinking, holy smoke show, this is so true. Or people, and especially people who've never had babies before are thinking, oh, what am I in for? Like, <laughs> you know, that can be really scary. It's true. I, for our listeners who are just tuning in, I don't have kids. And so I sometimes do get consumed with this when I am working with a family and I can see the whew, depths of postpartum because it can be deep. It can be really, really intense. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I get caught up and I think like, man, this just isn't how it's supposed to be. It can't be. This just can't be how it is supposed to be. So yeah, man, postpartum can definitely be so, so deep. Mental health is so intertwined in everything that I do. Um, you know, it's a very foundational part of Tranquility by Hehe. So before we get started, can we just get a pulse check of like where we are as a country overall? What has mental health looked like for us in the recent years? Like what does it look like now? I think it's good for us to know where we're starting from to know kind of the uh, gravity of what we're talking about today. Yeah, for sure. I think, first of all, thank you so much for having me on to have this conversation. I think I love that there's people who listen to your podcast who haven't had kids yet. I think it's so important. And I wish I had heard this information before I had a child. So I think it's so important for people like you who haven't had a child yet, even though it can be scary or not great to hear this information, it's so important to know it because when you know it, then you can prepare for postpartum. When you don't know it like me, then you're not prepared and that's when it, it doesn't go as well. Um, so right now in North America, we know that one in five people will be diagnosed with a mental illness um, at some point in their lives. And one in five people, that is the recorded cases. So I would have a guess that there is quite a few cases that are not reported, people who are not seeking treatment for mental health issues. So I would think that that number could even be higher than one in five. So that already in itself is really high. Um, when we're looking at postpartum women or perinatal women, which would be pregnancy to postpartum, um, the numbers, the research shows somewhere between one in five and one to seven women will be diagnosed with um, a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. So it is quite similar to the population in general. We also know that perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are the number one complication of pregnancy or birth or postpartum experiences. So even though they are not checked for as much as let's say gestational diabetes, I know a lot of the women you support and myself included, we had that test where we had to drink that gross drink and then get tested for gestational diabetes. Every woman gets tested for that. Not every woman gets tested for perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. 
although that happens much more often than gestational diabetes. So this is a conversation that's really important to have. I think we need to be having more of this conversation so that women who are struggling know that they're not at all alone and a lot of women go through this and there is help and treatment available. So that one in five is men and women, am I right? So the one in five to seven that is um, mood disorders, that's a lot of people. Yes, it is a lot of people. You are not alone when you're having these thoughts. And wow, the proof is in the numbers. Man, okay. Yeah, it's so time for a conversation like this. So, wow. The question I probably hear the most, let's start with that. How can two women have a similar birth experience, meaning the whole way through pregnancy, postpartum, you know, um, not just the actual birthing experience. How can women have similar experiences, but then two very different mental health outcomes or mental health experiences? I see this really often when I talk to moms, um, and they're often comparing themselves to other people, um, and these other people might not perceive that what they're doing, you know, is the right way or so many things, but what, how does this happen that two people have similar experiences and then their, their mental health outcomes are very, very vastly different? So I think this is, this is a really good question because it's something that I hear a lot about on Our Mama Village. I'll hear a lot from women who say, I had what everyone else would say, a totally normal birth experience and postpartum experience. But for me, I'm struggling with anxiety and depression. And for my friend who's going through the same thing, she's tired, but she feels well. And I think that's important to note that that is what a normal postpartum experience should look like. Um, you feel tired, you feel different, you might be grieving the loss of your old life, but generally you're feeling well. And um, so it's not normal to feel so anxious that you feel like you can't leave the house. And we're going to talk about all of that later. But I hear that question a lot. So what I look for is the risk factors because birth and that whole experience doesn't happen in isolation. There's so many other environmental, also genetic factors that influence the way that your, your postpartum experience is going to go. So I'm just going to share with you some of the risk factors that I'm going to look at if I'm looking at a newly postpartum woman. So first of all, we're going to look at the biological factors. So have you had a history of mental health um, struggles in the past? Have you been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or bipolar? in the past because we know that right away that puts you at an increased risk for a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. Another thing that people don't often know is a risk factor, but if you had really bad PMS symptoms um, before having a baby, that is actually a risk factor as well. Um, just shows something to um, your biological like hormonal factors. Um, I'm also going to be looking at thyroid conditions. A lot of people in the postpartum period actually go through um, conditions with their thyroid that mimic anxiety or depressive symptoms. So getting that checked out postpartum, it will also be really important in your recovery. And um, so it's really important to look at those biological factors because no two people are going to have the same biological makeup or biological factors which those then are gonna impact the results of their postpartum experience. 
Uh, we're also going to be looking at your social support. So are you living in a town where it's just you and your partner and you don't know anybody else? If you don't have a solid social support, um, that is a huge risk factor for um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorder and also just a challenging transition into motherhood. Um, so social support systems, establishing those before you have a baby are key into reducing your risk. Um, then I'm going to be looking at your pregnancy. Did you have a complicated pregnancy? Have you had uh, losses before having this baby? Did you have an abortion before having this baby? Um, all of those things as well are increased risk factors for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. I'm going to be looking at uh, history of abuse. Have you been sexually abused in the past? Uh, we could do a whole podcast on this, but sexual abuse and birthing um, can really be such a difficult experience and feel so out of your control. And oftentimes individuals with a history of trauma or abuse do struggle as well in the postpartum period. Um, hopefully you're okay with me still going. I have a few, I have a few more here. Um, perfectionism. So for me, uh, this was a big part of my story. So being that real type A personality, struggling with perfectionism before having a baby can be so hard in the postpartum period because things just feel so out of your control. And you see this a lot, especially in women who are really focused on their career before having a child and who really um, were type A and like things organized in a certain way after you have a child, that's just not what life looks like anymore. And so that transition can be really hard. Um, someone that I know who I've interviewed for my channel, Kimberly Thompson, she wrote a book, Perfect Mothers Get Depressed. And it's really good if you're struggling with perfectionism um, in the postpartum period. And finally, we're gonna be looking at the stressors. So what is going on in your environment right now? So you, two people can have a very similar birthing experience, but a very different baby. So is your baby colic? Is, does your baby sleep? My baby did not sleep. Like I'm telling you for four months, she was up every 45 minutes throughout the night. I couldn't even remember the last time I slept for more than like an hour and a half at a time. And for me, that was the biggest risk factor for me starting to feel depressed and anxious. Um, financial stressors are also important to look at if you're low income or um, are really struggling with money in your family, that can impact um, just your stress level, which can impact your postpartum experience. And finally, your relationship with your partner. So going through um, those early years of having kids, the research will show that that is the hardest time for new couples. And it's a time of a lot of arguments and just adapting to this life that you now have, which is completely different than the life that you had before. I mean, my husband and I were together almost 10 years before we had our baby and it was still a crazy experience. And we still had to work through those things, those differences in parenting styles. And um, so what that relationship looks like can also impact your postpartum experience. So those are just some of the reasons why Every postpartum experience looks different because these factors are different for everybody. So if your experience does not look the same as your friends, that's not, uh, that's not on you. That's not a, a fault that you have, or it's not your failing as a mom. It's, it's a result of so many different things. So give yourself some compassion.
I love it. I mean, it's not really on you or your friend. It's not on anybody. It's not a thing to be on somebody. It's just that life is different. So I did have one question about something that you said, going all the way back to the very beginning about the biological. Can you comment on whether it is um, tied to um, like genetics and is it hereditary? I get this all the time that people are scared. You know, my mom or uh, my sister so-and-so had really bad insert whatever postpartum mood disorder challenge that they had. These these moms are usually really nervous about that. And I get the question a lot. What's, what's the science say? So I think that family history um, of depression, anxiety, OCD, bipolar eating disorders definitely can play a role in um, your experience postpartum. So I don't think that has to be a scary thing, especially if you know that your mom or your grandma or someone in your family went through it. It just means that you should maybe pay a little bit extra attention to um, your mood in the postpartum period and just make sure that you have that support before you even have your baby. Um, I, I think a lot of women get scared when they hear me read those, those risk factors, but really I don't want to scare you. I want to empower you to know that these are the risk factors so I can be aware of what's going on and I can reach out for support before I need it before I'm in those trenches. I could not agree more with you. Um, you know, from my mental health background, I know that I always tell people whether it is genetic or not, whether your heredity has something to do with it or not, at least you know that people around you have dealt with it and you should prepare for that anyway. Um, so whether these things will definitely happen to you or not. I definitely think that you should think about it while you're still pregnant. Don't wait until you're in the moment. Like you say, it's, um, it's definitely something that needs some forethought before you get in that moment. So in this episode, I wanted to focus on postpartum mood disorders. Although I don't love that language for everyday use. I get it totally as necessarily for uh, medical lingo, but for everyday chatting, I prefer to use softer and gentler terms. So I slipped earlier and I said, you know, challenges. So you might hear me say something like mood challenges or rocky emotions or something just not as aggressive as disorder. I find that our language really matters, and so I don't want people to walk around feeling like they have a disorder and it is their label. So for all of our listeners out there, anytime that I say something like that, just know that I am talking about a postpartum mood and anxiety um, disorder. So Jess, can you start by explaining the difference between postpartum anxiety, OCD, depression, psychosis, things like that? I think there's a lot of overlap, but I think a lot of people also kind of just like lump things in together and you like either have depression or anxiety, but there's actually a lot of things that can occur in the postpartum, um, you know, mood realm. What do those look like? Yeah, definitely. So to start, we have the baby blues and the baby blues is not a mood or anxiety disorder. It's a normal part of a postpartum experience. It happens um, usually, I think the height is 
three to five days after giving birth. It happens when your hormones are all coming in and you kind of have like a hormone cocktail going on in your body. Um, and you might feel really weepy. You might feel kind of anxious and you're just adjusting. Your body is adjusting to the, your hormones. And this should not last more than 10 days uh, postpartum. So people will talk about the baby blues. To me, they'll say, oh, I have the baby blues, but it will be four months postpartum. And the baby blues does not last until four months. So if you're past 10 days or two weeks postpartum and you're still feeling that way, start to reach out for support. So I just want to start out by saying that because I think because it's called the baby blues, people um, can get confused as to what that is, but that is only a short time and it does go away. Um, so let's start by talking about postpartum anxiety. So I'll just list some of the symptoms and I'll say that there is not one clear definition of this is postpartum depression, this is postpartum anxiety, because depending on who you are, your symptoms might look different. And I think I can see what you're saying and that the labels can be really tough because you might say, well, I don't feel like myself. I'm not feeling happy. Um, but my definition of this doesn't fit completely into postpartum anxiety. That does not mean that you should just go on with your life and not get support. Um, because if you're not feeling like yourself, please, please reach out for support. But what we know about anxiety and the symptoms are you might feel irritable, you might have a con excessive concern about the baby, the baby's health, going outside with the baby. Um, you might have a difficult time sleeping because you're preoccupied by thoughts about your baby. You might have specific intrusive thoughts about um, something happening to your baby in their crib. Uh, you might have racing thoughts. This is something that we see a lot of from anxious people. So kind of like you have one thought and then it turns into another thought and it becomes just the spiral of thoughts that you can't seem to get out of. Um, you might find you have physical symptoms like a shortness of breath, racing heart, um, appetite changes. You might be not at all hungry or you might be very hungry. Um, so those are just some of the symptoms of anxiety. But again, if you feel like you have anxiety, please don't just take this list and say, well, I don't have those symptoms. Like, please go and get support. Depression. So when we talk about depression, people are always usually thinking, oh, I'm just crying all the time or I'm really sad. Um, and yes, that is one piece of depression. But again, depression is more of a puzzle and there's lots of different pieces that make up uh, what depression can look like. So depression in the postpartum period might include a sense of hopelessness. So I'm never, ever going to feel like myself again. I'm never going to sleep again. I'm never going to love this baby the way that other people love their babies. Um, it also shows up a lot of the time as rage. And this is a symptom that really shocks new moms, but they might feel this overwhelming rage and anger inside of them. They might not understand where that anger is coming from. Um, but postpartum rage is definitely a symptom of depression and is not, again, a normal part of a postpartum experience. Um, moms might also feel um, guilt and shame as a part of their depression. They might have a difficult time bonding with their baby. 
they might say things to themselves like, I haven't been myself since the day my baby has been born. I miss my old life. I can't go one more day in this new life. And again, similar to an anxiety, we're going to be seeing appetite changes. So either eating a lot or not eating at all. We're going to see a difficult um, uh, time to concentrate or focus on tasks. They might not want to get out of bed and they might not be able to sleep even when the baby is sleeping. So perinatal OCD is also something that is really important, I think, to talk about. I think OCD, similar to depression, how we think depression is just someone laying there being sad. OCD, people think right away of counting and checking, which is definitely symptoms of OCD. But one of the big symptoms we see in perinatal OCD is intrusive repetitive thoughts. And they're usually thoughts that they are going to harm the baby or they might harm themselves. Um, but the really important thing to know about perinatal OCD is these intrusive thoughts that you have. So for example, I will give a thought that I really struggled with, which was I'm going to drop my baby and they're going to hit their head on my tile floor. And I can say that now with knowing that I was not going to drop my baby. Like I, I wasn't going to do it. I didn't want to drop my baby. I was very scared about the thought that I had that I was going to drop my baby. Um, but it was a thought that would pop up in my mind. And so I think for OCD, it's really important to note that it's only a thought. It's not a fact. Um, just because you think it doesn't mean you're going to do it. And um, we can definitely do some work in therapy around that. But that is the big symptom of perinatal OCD. Moms usually feel a tremendous amount of guilt and shame about their thoughts. They might feel horrified by it. And it might make them hyper vigilant. So they might be afraid to be alone with their baby or um, might be afraid to let anybody else hold their baby. So those are some of the symptoms of OCD. Now, psychosis is a medical emergency. So if you think that you might have postpartum psychosis or you know someone who does, this is something that needs to be checked out right away. So Unlike OCD, where you're not going to be acting on the thoughts, in postpartum psychosis, um, moms feel like they need to act upon their thoughts. And this is also extremely scary for moms. Um, one in two out of a thousand postpartum women will develop postpartum psychosis. Um, and moms have thoughts that are like, my baby would be better off without me, and more suicidal type of thoughts. So for postpartum psychosis, I'm just going to read you a little bit, a little list of symptoms that women might have. So they might feel delusions. For example, they might think their baby is possessed. They might have hallucinations. For example, they might look at their baby and see someone else's face. They might hear voices. They might have extreme insomnia where they haven't slept for a very, very long time, which um, can increase their symptoms. They might have rapid mood swings and they are much more likely to act upon their thoughts. So they might have thoughts like the baby is better off without me or uh, other very, very scary thoughts that they might act upon. Postpartum psychosis is a medical emergency and if you are worried that you are going through this or someone that you love is going through this make sure that they get 
help immediately because we don't want to see anything bad happen to mom or to the baby. So I just have um, a question that kind of popped into my head. There's a lot of stuff I could say for sure, but the, one of the things that popped in was, can this happen to, let's say, a third birth um, when your first and second births were totally fine and you had fine postpartum times? You did totally, you felt like yourself. You, you know, you look back on them, they were positive experiences, and then your third baby and you experience extreme things. Is that unheard of? Is that silly to think that might happen? Or is that something that people need to be aware of? Because from a birth standpoint, every birth is very different. Every child is very different. Every pregnancy is very different. It will change your dynamics. So your third baby is coming into a family of four where your first baby was coming into a family of two, things like that. What can moms be expecting even if they've had babies before and their postpartum time looked fine? Yeah, I think this is a really important topic as well. Um, like I said earlier, when I was outlining the risk factors, uh, your environment can look totally different, like you said, for your third ba baby versus your first baby. So with your first baby, mom might have a ton of social support, friends around, people helping. By the third baby, people might think, oh, mom's got this. She's had two other kids. That's gone totally fine. And she might not have that same social support. There might be different financial strains, different things in her relationship, her biological factors, something might be off or different. So definitely each postpartum experience is different. But I think that in the same note, this could be really encouraging to a mom who had postpartum anxiety, let's say with her first child, because it doesn't necessarily mean that she's gonna have it again with her second. Um, so yeah, so each postpartum experience is different and it's hard to say that you're not going to have it with your third baby if you were fine with your previous two postpartum experiences. I love that you mentioned that. I always, always, always try and reframe the, the way that we think about things. Um, obviously, that's kind of what I do. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that, one of the kind of tools and tricks that I use is that, okay, so if you had really bad anxiety the first time, let's just prepare that it's going to look that way or even worse for your second one. And when we get there, your supports are in place, your people are there, your troops are ready. And then if it turns out great, cool. Like you were so supported and you might've even been able to tell people like, Hey, guess what? You don't have to make that flight from Denver all the way to Boston because I need help. Like save your money, stay home. Like we're doing awesome, you know, or if you know that it is, um, you know, in your history or you're worried because your mom or your sister had it, totally, let's prepare for it. Let's prepare that it's going to be a really challenging time. Let's talk about it. Let's go to those places before your baby gets here so that you kind of know what to expect, but also so that the first time that you're hearing these icky sticky things, you're also not experiencing them, right? You're like already prepared for them. Um, so I really, really love the way that you talk about that. I also wanted to share that I have seen some really incredible um, mental health issues and one mom in particular comes to mind. So she, um, I was caring for her child and she was really suffering from very intrusive thoughts and also thoughts of um, that her child was being harmed in what seemed to be 
ridiculous ways, right? So if you weren't able to understand her perspective, then you just thought it was absolutely insane. Um, and it was things like she never wanted her child to be in the dark because she thought their eyesight might take a hit and might be damaged because they were, they were never without light. She had read somewhere that light was really good for babies and that she wanted this child to sleep even with the lights on. Um, the mom asked me things like, but how are you sanitizing the air? And I was like, oh no, we have a really big problem here. We have a problem where, you know, this mom is having such anxiety, such intrusive thoughts that she has lost total touch with reality. We can't clean the air. What do you mean? Like mm -hmm. we can't clean the air. Right. And so, um, I think it can look like a lot of things, your anxiety, your depression, your, all the things can manifest in different ways. And so to be on the lookout for one or two things, it's really, really silly because, um, yeah, anytime that you are feeling super anxious or like something might go wrong with your babe or might hurt your baby that, I don't know, if you took your baby out of the situation, would you still feel that way? Are you trying to sanitize the air for your older children? Do you, you know, did, were you worried about sanitizing the air when you were pregnant? Things like that. I often challenge people to think about like, are we being, I hate to say realistic, but almost realistic in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think you really touched on another symptom that I hadn't mentioned earlier of anxiety, which is this rule following rigid behavior. And for me, when I talk about having anxiety in my postpartum experience, that is the way that it showed up for me. So it was kind of similar to what you're talking about with this mom, where I had a list of rules that I had read somewhere. And again, now we know, now I know there's no real rules for being a mom. Really, we need to love our babies. That's enough. That's kind of my motto now. But in my mind, I had this list of rules. You have to put the baby down awake, not asleep. I read that in a few books and I would get so mad at my husband if he decided to rock the baby to sleep. Now I feel really sad when I think about that because I miss so much cuddling time with my baby. But in my mind, if she was not put down awake, she would never sleep again. And my husband would try and rationalize with me and he would tell me to think more realistically and manage my expectations and all these things. But my anxiety told me I have to put her down asleep or I will never sleep or awake or I will never sleep again. So that's how real it felt so real to me, even though now I can look back and logically see that that is not the case for babies. But in that moment, it feels so real. And it feels so real to all moms who struggle with anxiety. And that's where having that professional support and help is so important. Absolutely. I think that's huge. Gosh, we are getting so good information here. I'm so excited. So now that we know what we're looking for, what can we do? So let's um, talk in the moment first. When we when we think about like what you're feeling in the moments, what can be done in that moment? So this is the moment after the mom has had the baby and she's thinking she might have anxiety or depression. 
or just um, in any kind of moment. So when moms are feeling overwhelmed with a, an emotion, do you have tactics such as like mantras or um, things that they can remind themselves of that they are a good mom, things like that? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So first thing, just slow yourself down. I think especially with anxiety or even depression, OCD, our minds are always racing. We're always thinking about a million things. And that's just normal for all moms who are thinking about a million things, but especially moms who are struggling with perinatal mental health. Um, slow yourself down. So close your eyes, take some really long, deep breaths, slow yourself down, ground yourself. So one thing I like to talk to about with clients is, you know, five things you see, four things you hear, three things you can touch, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. And going through that with clients in therapy, but also just doing it uh, wherever you are um, can help bring you back to the present moment. Because you know when you're struggling with a mood or anxiety disorder, you're not in the present moment. Your mind is going anywhere else. So using those grounding strategies can really bring you back. So I would start with that grounding yourself, reminding you, reminding yourself where you are. I'm here. Smell your baby. Uh, touch something around you, get yourself back to the present. And after that, I really, really think it's important that you tell someone how you're feeling. So find someone you trust to talk to about what you're feeling. That might be a partner, that might be your friend. If you're not feeling comfortable sharing it with them, it might be your doctor. And reach out for help so that you can get the support that you need to feel better. Because you don't have to go through this alone. And so many moms think, oh, I'm just going to wait one more week, one more month, two more months. And the longer that you wait, the harder that it is. And even if you're at three weeks postpartum and you're feeling like you're struggling, you don't need to wait until you're in the deepest, deepest trench to try and climb out. So get support as soon as you can. I love to always... Um of course, reframe things. And um, one of the ways that I do that is to remind people that if you get help at three weeks postpartum, then your six month postpartum can look amazing. But if you wait until your six months postpartum, then you had a miserable first six months, right? Mm -hmm. um, when in turn, it could have just been a miserable three weeks, and then you decided to get help. Um, think about that. So it again, it is much easier to kind of treat things when they have just popped up. We don't have that much unraveling to do or rewiring of your brain. We can stop it right there, um, quote unquote, in the moment, if you will, right when it starts. And we can get that in the butt and remind you why you're a kick-ass mom and why you, you know, deserve this baby and you were chosen for a reason. All right, villagers, I am going to wrap up this first half of this diving into mental health and motherhood. That was a lot. What about that postpartum rage that we talked about? It's weird, right? You feel guilty as well. And then you feel confused because why can't you feel this? I hear you. And I think so many other people feel just as weird as you. You don't have to feel like that. You don't have to struggle through the postpartum. If you are sitting there thinking, wow, I, I wonder if I should talk to somebody, you should. 
you need to. Even if that first filter, that first conversation says, you know what, what you're feeling is totally normal, totally common, lots of people feel it, you should see it dissipate or disappear or get better by this date, by this week, by this milestone. Or they might say, you know what, you are so brave for reaching out and realizing that you need support. Come on in. Our door is open. You got a seat at our table. We have a seat for you at our table. And as always, our door is always, always, always open. Come any time. I'm going to link some stuff in the show notes for you so that you can join our tribe on various platforms so that you never miss anything. I can't guarantee putting out the same information on all my social platforms. I just don't have that kind of time. It's really best if you kind of hit it from all angles. It's the TBH trifecta. Email list, social media, podcast. You're sure to get everything that I pump out to you. Amazing. I'm so happy that you chose to show up today for me, for you, for the women and children of our world, for so many humans, but most importantly for yourself. Thanks for refilling your own cup. I totally see you out there serving, 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 serving. Please, please, please don't forget to recharge your own batteries. Thanks for showing up today. Happy Tuesday, y'all. I'll see you on Friday. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.